bungee jumping, skydiving, and learning. All of these involve risk. And in this episode of the After Dinner Leadership Podcast, I spoke with Antonia Bowring about her views on risk. It emerged as a theme as we connected it to all sorts of different topics. Take a listen. Think about your own uh, levels of risk and your willingness to risk when it involves change and, and learning. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation and her insights on coaching yourself and being able to do that, which connects with her new book, is a, a real must listen. Uh, she also is open enough to talk about her diagnosis of ADHD as an adult and the impact that has had and uh, the benefits it's brought from new perspectives. We invite you to listen and we invite you to, uh, to invite others to listen too, to share and to like this episode and I trust that you'll enjoy it as much as I do. So welcome, Antonia, to the Afternoon Leadership Podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you and uh, you're dialing in from Manhattan today and uh, grateful for you to, to, to make time for, for this conversation. Um, we call this the after dinner leadership com conversation. Maybe this is your after lunch conversation today. Kind of or let's see, um, pre-lunch. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for late for morning. Late, A bit of brunch. A bit of brunch. Late, late morning uh, tea with the queen. <laughs> perfectly perfectly synchronized uh, i love it great um we always like to invite our guests to join us in some quick fire questions one minute some short responses just to find out about you are you ready for those well is there a buzzer that goes off after one minute so i have there to is talk actually really fast? okay there well, is I'm there ready. is it's like it's a countdown <laughs> and you'll hear this big kind of bass Faith that brings us to okay. the end of 60 okay. seconds. Okay, okay. Right. let's do it. Okay, here we go. Name. Antonia Bowring. Organization. AB Strategies. What is a film that inspires you? Oh, The Godfather. Why is that? Uh, because it's multi-generational leadership. <laughs> Right. <laughs> what's a question you like to ask? Uh, what's your cultural background? What's your favorite time of day? Oh, early morning for writing. Where would we find you on a Friday night? Um, probably in bed as soon as I can get there. <laughs> I'm tired Friday. Do you prefer sweet or savory? Oh, sweet every day, all day long. Right. Who is a role model you look up to? Oh, uh, Joanne Kilmeyer, who was my coaching trainer and mentor who sadly passed away uh, several years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, please, think she's still in your memory. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that she's no, no longer with us. Oh. Thank you. What was it about Joanne that you, you loved? It was clear there's a mentor role there, but what yeah. was it about? I, she was unbelievably present. She was unbelievably mm -hmm. present when you were getting advice from her or workshopping an issue with her. And she also, you know, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever really identified this out loud. Um. There was something 
incredibly maternal about her, like comforting, warm, embracing, that made you feel very safe. Yeah. Thank you for that, because I don't know if I've ever said that part out loud. Great. Well, we hope Mm -hmm. I hope this conversation has the same uh, thread through for both of us. Now, clearly, you've got a sweet tooth. Well, you, oh, you, my you, goodness. You, you lit up with that question. What, <laughs> what would be your, your um, snack of choice? Uh, cookies. And guess, right. guess what? Last night, I made my first batch of shortbread for the holiday season. Good on you. Right. Is that, was that like um, post-Thanksgiving? Is that your first sign of Christmas, is it? Yes. In, into yes. Your shortbread yes. making? Right. Exactly. Okay. The trees up and yeah. <laughs> Great. What's your cultural background? Well, and again, I know it's quite quick fire questions, but that is a question. Why, why do you like asking that so much? Um, so the, I actually don't ask it that way, but I was on the spot and I was mm-hmm. thinking about the buzzer. What I ask often in a chemistry call with, and for those who don't know what that is, that's when you're meeting someone you may potentially coach. They call it a chemistry call. I may ask, what are the most important influences, cultural, um, geographic background that have, that will help me understand who you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that sounds like a really good question. Oh, should to we ask do it? You. Oh, I think so. Do I get to ask you? No, no, it, it's for you to oh, answer. No, I think would... Oh no, come on! Oh no, come on! We got to do it both ways. Okay, fine. All right, so go for it. So, uh, so let's. So I'll set it up. The question is, what are three things? If you understood these things about me, these three things about me, you would really understand a lot about who I am today. Yeah, I would say. Um, I'm Canadian. I am a mother of two sons. And I am an eternal seeker with a very curious learning mindset. I kind of snuck two in that last one. Yeah, that's great. I think you got three, three point five there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. What about you? If I asked you that. Um, Okay, so I would say I... Uh, family so the broader again this is me extending beyond yeah, okay, the roles okay. so so family's a very big part of who I am I'm one of 11 children my wife and I have seven wow. children wow so extended family's large and um, our family is a is a large part of my psyche my life and a ha- and happiness in those relationships too which I know is not always the case yes. for people so so that's good that's, so that's a very big that's part one. of who I am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, Thank you. Wow. That's, I thought that was worth about three, but, but, yeah, I, but I'll, I'm take, giving I'll take you one. one. Yeah. Um, another cultural piece is probably linked partly to that, of course, is my faith. So mm. I I am a Christian and, mm-hmm. and I um devoted to to that. Um, it's a big part of who I aspire to be as well as who I am. So and impacts my family mm, and mm-hmm. then my third one oh what's most interesting i really enjoy making a positive difference mm. wherever mm-hmm. i can 
Don't tell my clients, but that's more important to me than the money. Mm-hmm. I know. Don't oh, there's tell people, my... there's other people. There's other people listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Beautiful. It's such a. I feel as if I, I know you with that question quite well. I mean, good. Hmm. There's lots of layers, isn't there? No, no mm. equally. So thank you for for sharing what you have done, and um, well, actually, let that. Bridges into the three questions I love to always ask as well, which may cover similar things, but three leadership lessons you wish you'd learned earlier. Mm. I know that you um, have re- recently released your, a book called Coach Yourself, and maybe mm-hmm. there's going to be some uh, mm-hmm. overlay with that as well, which we'll, we'll talk about in some detail later. But I'd love to, I always love to ask this question. What three leadership lessons do you wish you'd learned earlier? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, leadership life lessons. Uh, so these are not in any particular order. Fine. Embrace feedback, however you get it. Don't be afraid of it. Take from it what you need, but really, really embrace it. It's a gift yeah. and it's a sign of love. Uh, that's number one. Number two is exquisite listening skills or what will take you the furthest. And thirdly, I would say risk is part of learning. Embrace risk, the right amount of risk, but don't be afraid of it. Super. Let's let's get into those. I love your choice of words when I always love to explore this. So embrace, embrace mm. feedback. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, explain that choice of verb. Well, I have spoken a lot about, it's funny, it must be something in the cycle right now. I've been speaking a lot about feedback and some people call want to call it feed forward and some people hate the word and they want to call it insights or uh, advice or whatever. And I think that as humans, we don't like to get it and we don't like to give it. And I think that that's because I'm a very positive person and I don't think we like to upset people in general. I think in general, we prefer to not deal with discomfort in general as as a trait, let's say. I agree. Yeah. And so feedback whether you're giving or receiving exactly means you have to enter that zone of discomfort and i would like to argue that many companies because they've been in a zone where feedback isn't given where people don't have uncomfortable conversations um it's caused more damage than the the sort of tyrannical caricature of of companies run by you know real hard asses i think it's actually in this more negligent uh area that there's more destruction and so i think as a leader you have to be very sensitive you should be to how you deliver it to others and as a leader i think you take it any way you get it and that is part of your responsibility of a leader. Um, 
I'll stop there. Great. Well, I, I like it, and I and I have affinity to the points you're making. It's something that I am trying to work on myself. Have done for many years to be better yeah, at this as a, as a skill and 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 in receiving feedback and soliciting it. You know, asking for feedback and genuinely being interested in in the answer that I'm given, rather than just um, uh, listen out for the thing that I want to hear or validation that something yeah. you know i know that one level i want to say oh no it was all good you know if i want to say, well, how well did that go or what was that thing like or that, that i've delivered to you um but the richer conversation and the learning and the real power is in the getting into the stuff that's below that surface answer yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah so also as someone with an adult diagnosis of ADHD I I can't stand redoing things I I just want to move on go to the next yeah. so for example with writing when I give people things to review that I've uh written I really just want them to say it's perfect you know I I really don't want any input <laughs> but no but I'm joking but it's you also have to slow down, right? You you can't yeah. really take it in if you don't slow down. And and I would also add to this conversation that as an adult, you decide what you want to keep. Like those are gifts being given to you, but you decide if you actually want to receive them. And yeah. I think that's important because you can't work on everything at once. And there are some things that because every every characteristic has the other side, the shadow side or the shadow has the other side. So there may be things you actually don't want to change. Yeah. That much. Yeah. And agreed. and and I think as an adult you have that right to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Um would you be comfortable with us talking about your diagnosis with ADHD a little oh, yeah. later would that be all right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd Happily. love to come back to that and yeah. um explore that some more now, now the other the, the second point that you had was around exquisite listening and we've already talked about i mm. guess receiving feedback is involves mm. listening again you've chosen this word exquisite which immediately um draws me in what does that uh, mean yeah yeah you know i borrowed that <clears throat> by the way have you read the book steal like an artist it's no oh no, i haven't no it's a graphic kind of book uh, uh graphical yeah. not <laughs> yes I, I highly recommend it <laughs> i highly recommend it um my colleague used that term exquisite because uh, i used to use active listening but that's so boring um exquisite listening yeah it i i love that word exquisite because it says so much it so we all know we should listen better right but yeah. exquisite listening means to me again you're creating that space around it you know exquisite almost means there's a pause and exquisite also means um you're not just listening to words exquisite means you're listening to all the facets the 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 body the body yeah. like even as you said when i answered the question about sweets or savory you you were you were doing some good listening there because you heard my love of sugar come through in my answer. So yeah. I think of it as sort of multi-sensory is one way. And 
And you can listen when no one's saying a word, right? Yeah, um, I agree. I can give you a, a great example. Um, Please do. I, yeah, I was running a, a, a little workshop for a leadership team. And they were, uh, what were they doing? I asked them all to put down, I know, it was kind of an elevator pitch of if you were describing this new strategy to your stakeholders, how would you describe it? And the whole room, about 10 of them, were on their laptops. And that was a moment of exquisite listening because I swear, I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, there was like a vibration, like a hum yeah. in the room where they were all focused on this task. And there was this amazing energy. And to me, I got to experience exquisite listening there. Right. It's a good example. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how frequently that comes up as one of the leadership lessons that people wish they'd learned earlier. Yeah. So it's the most common response. Is that uh, right? What we're, yeah, Is that, that I've right? had. I mean, I've been doing this a few years now. I mean, we're at nearly 70 episodes. And that that's the most common of the, the leadership lessons. It's associated with listening, something to do with listening. Something to do yeah. with listening. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it is a, it's similar to feedback, perhaps, but it feels like it's a lifelong quest. There's so many different yeah. levels to it. And... um. You know, there's times where I think, oh, actually, I'm doing pretty well at that. And then you realize you're not at all and you're missing a ton of stuff. And, um, yeah, well, it's a bit like humility. I think when you think you're good yeah. at it, you're probably, you yeah. probably lost something. Well, yeah. and also, <laughs> I, I mean, just riffing a bit off the size of your family. I mean, how we behave at work, how we behave at home. I'm a, I am a very good listener with my clients. I am right. not a very good listener with my sons. I'm maybe I, I hope I'm getting better. Sure. But the 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 desire to jump in and tell them the answer and manage the situation versus coach or consult yes. is is I, I feel sometimes hardwired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a fair point. Fair point. And actually, let's let's finish the three points, and then I'd yeah. love to talk about some of the other things. So you, you've mentioned this risk being an important part of the learning process. Mm. Again, I'd love to hear what's informed that. Yeah, that's one of your three leadership lessons. Yeah, I you know I think that's really linked to confidence. And uh, you know when sometimes when clients come to me and they're uh, particularly women, oh no, I I need to work on my confidence. I I, I always sort of say, well, like, what is confidence? To me, that is, that's like saying I need to work on my communication skills. Yeah. Like that's, there's so, you have to really dig into all the little buckets that make that up. And, and to me, um, risk taking, appropriate risk taking is really about, oh my gosh, we could talk a long time about this, but it's really about how you change and because you can't change when you're in perfect comfort right yes. you change when you're in that sort of gray zone according to william bridges right between sort of the present and the future the 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 change zone is very uncomfortable but 
you only get there by taking a certain amount of calculated risk. And that's risk that I can sit with discomfort, risk that I can handle whatever comes my way, and risk that things will get will be better, that there is a future state that is uh, uh, better, I'll put in quotation marks, more evolved than today's. And so I think a lot about risk and I think of it also in terms of as a leader uh, using your intuition and using data and how do you balance that and when do you lean more into one than the other and what kind of risk is that? And so long answer. Yeah. It's a helpful answer though. Um, thank you for, for going there. I think it's a you know, I think of immediately um, coaching conversations I've had in the last couple of weeks of people on that confidence point. And yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a big part of confidence is their, you know, the the way in which they've handled those risks in the past. Yeah. Often successfully. Yes. <laughs> uh, with the yes. hindsight, of course, as they look forward to the future, they're still seeing similar risks with the, with the trepidation as if they've never been through something like this before. And, yeah. um, you know, I can fall into that trap as easy as they can uh, as well on certain things. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice perspective. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, would it be okay if we just picked up the point around the ADHD sure. uh, again yeah. that you shared with us? Would that be yeah. all right? I, I'm sure. just interested to know how being diagnosed as, has enhanced your perspective with regards to leadership and life and coaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's a nice segue when we were talking about confidence. I would say, uh, so I got diagnosed several years ago, but in my early 50s. And um, it was just a game changer. And I would actually say that my confidence today is much higher. Uh, and why is that? I I think that to me there's two pieces when I think about ADHD. I I call it the profound and the practical. And yeah. the practical is just how you get things done that may be a little more difficult with different brain wiring or or a lot more difficult, right, depending on the severity of your symptoms. And then I think of the profound <laughs> piece, which is particularly if you're an adult diagnosis, um, you have a lifetime of experiences, a whole narrative about yourself, a whole narrative that people have fed to you because of behaviors and actions and their perceptions of you. What would be an example of that? What kind of oh, um, thing? You can't listen. Oh, aren't we just tying all the pieces together? Yeah. Oh, perfect. you're a terrible listener. Or, oh, you can't focus. Or... Oh, you can't sit still. Or, yeah, you're never paying attention when we have a conversation. You're always wandering. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah. And, um, and those things, like, chip away at you and, and, and build up to your own perception of who you are. Right? And what the diagnosis allowed me to do was say, all that to me, sorry, adds up to shame. And 
a self-narrative that's built a lot on shame. And what the diagnosis allowed was a reframing. Uh, for me, it, 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 it gave me information, new information, like solving a puzzle, right? That allowed me to go back and look at my history and go, oh, huh, I'm not a bad person who can't focus. Oh, I have different brain wiring. Okay. Now it's my responsibility to do something with that information. It's not an excuse, but yes. it helps me understand who I am in a way that literally washed away shame. Yeah. How did you come to discover like what led to the yeah. if you don't mind yeah. me asking the kind of the diagnosis no, how, no, how, no. how did that go about? Well, I think very, very typical. My oldest son was going into high school and got tested. And um, I remember going with him to all the uh, um, a psychologist did the, the actual diagnosis through testing. And then there's a psychiatrist involved when you're talking about medication. And um and by the way, like it's very privileged we could be in a situation where we could, you sure. know, take advantage of those resources. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, this kind of sounds like me. Never thought about it before. And then it took a year or two by the time I took the step to get it all done. But um, yeah. 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 I wasn't and surprised at all, but it was nice to have the confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great, and uh, and you know this uh, appreciation of neurodiverse factors in the workplace has yeah. accelerated a lot over the, even the last it few has. years. Probably post COVID, I would say it kind of has a yeah, bit yeah. Of a, an uptick associated with the wider people appreciating maybe some mental wellness as well as yeah. you know. No, uh, I think that's a fair point. Spectrum. Um. Yeah, what what uh maybe there's some people that, who are leading at the moment and are thinking, yeah, I I've, I've got ADHD but I haven't really gone public with it or you know, I I I had a diagnosis and or maybe recently or maybe even the same situation as you as I suspect I might be ADHD. Have you got any kind of insights from your own journey that may be helpful to someone in that mm -hmm. situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you're an adult who just got a recent diagnosis, I mean, I just want to say, you know, you're a rock star. You made it this far. You created systems and scaffolding for yourself. And I really honor what you've accomplished. And secondly, I would say um, <clears throat> get help. Like, like reframe your narrative that is a really important it's not just about is my calendar working like there's that two parts of this you know two and so don't neglect the profound piece and 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 kind of you know working towards more more wholeness and third i would say you know it is only you it is absolutely your decision to decide who you talk to about this, where and when. And yeah. 
any coach that says you should do one thing or another, I would go find another um, because that's really a very personal decision. Different work environments are much more supportive than others. Um, I, I think I didn't talk about it at first, but then I yeah. just got very comfortable with it and, and saw it. It just means I have a different brain wiring. It doesn't mean anything yeah. else. But yeah, I would. Those would be the three key key things I would want to say to someone. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that and being so open about it too. Uh, thank you. Now you have written a book called Coach Yourself. Yeah. And uh, would you share the origin story to that as a yeah as a sure. piece of literature? Yeah, sure. So I started writing quite a bit uh, articles online through yeah. the Forbes Coaches Council and, and, and other venues. And then I got a call. I actually had not considered writing a book. I got a call from um, my publisher or to be my soon to be my publisher, Wiley. And they said, have you thought about writing a book? And, you know, I, I will share this with you. Um, many people said, don't bother. No one reads books because I did a little bit of research. And uh, my next book could have been my first book, but it couldn't have because it's a more a complicated book to write. Now yes. I'm on a roll. I'm going to do another one. But <laughs> so when 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 Wiley said, well, what book? I thought, well, OK, I've been coaching for a decade. There's about a dozen frameworks I use day in and day out. What if I shared them with a broader audience? What if I democratized executive coaching, shared these mysterious tools that people pay hundreds of dollars or pounds an hour to to yeah. receive? And what if I put it all into a book that's kind of like a DIY, do it yourself, very, very friendly reference book? So. My intention was never that someone would pick it up and read it cover to cover. My intention was more thumb through it so you know where everything is and you know where yeah. the resources are. But, oh, these frameworks are when you are getting started with an issue. These are all about communication. These are all about managing a team or being on a team. Yeah. And these are all about habits formation and 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 so know that about the book and then be able to pick it up when you hit a bump in the road great i love it and which of the frameworks do you most enjoy sharing with with clients mm, it's a tie uh, i said this at a i was doing a book event my son was there and the interviewer asked me which is your favorite framework and I said I, I this was sort of rehearsed I said oh come on that's like asking a mother who's her favorite child and then my yeah. son in the back of the room sort of put up his hand <laughs> and said we know who that is right um though that'd be very hard for you if you have seven um so I I would go I think with the values exercise it, it's really more an exercise in a framework or sure. the spectator actor, because to me, 
that is like fundamental way of thinking about life and your agency in life and but the values one is if you don't know your values how do you have a north star how do you have yeah. a long term vision how do you ladder that back to goals like you're lost right so and i think values can change over the course of a life um i think you need to check in with your values periodically and key to me is i think you have to always be thinking about how do i activate them both in terms of my goal setting or you know vision of what i want or my goals and how i live my life as a daily practice agreed agreed yeah i i love doing values work and in my own life as well as with with clients um the spectator actor framework could you share a little bit more about that how yeah. that might help yeah that's um i learned this in a i it was must be the best coaching course i've ever taken run by a guy called fred kaufman k o f m a n i can't remember the name of his book now i i thought it was unbelievably powerful and you know I think I want to be very careful here and say I think there are people who talk about agency in a toxic way in a well you are who you are it's all up to you I I don't believe in that kind of toxic agency sure but I do believe that an initial reaction a very normal initial reaction is to look at an issue or problem and see everything being done to you. Well, yes. I'm I'm just I'm just the spectator here. I'm just the victim. I'm just it's all being done to me. And I think that's normal. And then you have to say, okay, what's my agency here? What's my power? How can I be an actor in my own drama, in my own on stage? What can I do? Like what are the options? and even if it's mentally changing my mindset because i you know i can't leave this situation right now i can control what's in my mind though um i think is extraordinarily powerful yeah yeah i love seeing that the lights go on in in the mind going going back to the risk point earlier i think that's an area where like yeah. the spectator feels safer, doesn't it? It kind of Thank feels you. like there's less risk. There's no kind of, uh, I'll keep safe. But as people, um, as we kind of go into that space of being an actor, it does feel, you know, temporarily, it can feel more risky. And, well, it nice. is actually. Nice <laughs> In yeah. some respects. In some it respects. is. It yeah. is. In the short it term, is. anyway, it feels yeah. more risky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's lovely as people kind of experiment in that space. As I experiment in that space, it's just like it's a it's a great place to to be. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, to see if you can make a difference. Yeah, in that sort captive. of liminal liminal space. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very good, very good. Uh, okay, so who would you hope? So we talk about democratizing coaching, executive coaching. Um, who would you hope is scanning through the bookstore or they're on Amazon or anything mm. is going to kind of pick up 
coach yourself mm. and and get the the most impact from it. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with two audiences here. I personally, and this is the thing I'm always telling my own clients, like be specific. You know, you can't be everything to everyone, which, of course, is what I want my book to be. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think two audiences in particular, and I'll start with one is the person who's thinking about coaching, who maybe has been offered it at work. It maybe is fortunate enough that 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 they can fund it that and that may be through an online platform, right? Yes, There's several yeah. very good ones. But I think this is a beautiful book to read to set your expectations of what coaching is to give you a sense of what good coaching is. Um, and it, 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 it could help you evaluate your own coaching journey with someone and answer some questions that help you decide, do you decide to take that action now or not? That would be one audience. And then the second would be, uh, I think my dream would be, although not everybody like enters an office when they start working, right. With their new, new desk with the, the lamp on it and all these things. But I wish this book, was on the bookshelf or, you know, the virtual bookshelf or whatever yes. of everyone starting their first job. And after college, let's say, because yes. um, usually you have no access to coaching at that point because it's too expensive. Um, secondly, you don't know a lot, right? You think you do, but you really don't. <laughs> and a lot of places don't have a lot of training. Some, some, obviously, some entities and companies do, but a lot of times you're just kind of thrown in and you got to try and figure it out. And I would say this is a fantastic companion book because think about your values. How do you want to show up at work? How are you going to activate those values? Think about your learning mindset and being an actor. Think about um, there's a framework like a gap analysis, like mind the gap yeah. for how to kind of think about a, a coaching issue. Then there's loads on communication, the checklist for having a critical conversation, a, a very beautiful nonviolent communication framework for when really the relationship and is paramount and yeah. even as a way to analyze previous communication that maybe didn't go well and then there's a whole piece on management how to be a good manager okay even if you're not the manager and you're being managed what a beautiful thing to read because you're going to now see it from both sides so, yeah, I would say I would. And I think it's accessible enough. It's written, I think, in quite simple language. Have your children had a chance to read it yet? Uh, and this is where I have to decide if I'm going to be honest. One of them has. <laughs> one of them has. Okay. But they both reviewed the favorite, it. The favorite. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. But they both reviewed it. 
which is, yeah, yeah. One reviewed it on Amazon Japan. I have no idea why. But um, <laughs> maybe maybe he didn't want anyone to really know who he was or something. But, yeah, no, they have. And, um, and in fact, I have a, a chapter of my next book ready because my next book is about ADHD that um, right. I'm sending to my son. I sent to my son to read who has ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Great. Well, um, Antonio, I, thank you so much for sharing what you have done today. And it's, uh, I feel like we could continue for a lot longer. So we'll, we'll call it, we'll, we'll draw a line there. Um, I wish you the very best of success in, in the book, Getting Out There. And, and I hope it is on many corporate libraries and on the, the shelves of uh, those who are, are able to come into the workforce in the next, uh, in the next coming years. Um, and I hope your second son gets to read it and apply the tools as well. I'm sure he'll be blessed there by it. There we go. There we go. And um, Simon, can I just say, it's on Amazon. I know it's also on Amazon UK. And um, I am so grateful, first, to anyone buying it. It takes a village. And then, secondly, uh, please leave a review on Amazon. It's like the beast you have to keep feeding. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll certainly do that. And uh, thank you so much for for your your insights and wisdom today. I, I'd love to know what's what's been a takeaway for you from this conversation. A takeaway from this conversation for me is just again how I think two things: how powerful that question is. Tell me. Tell me about your your cultural makeup. What makes you you? Um, yeah. I felt like I learned so much. And and secondly, sort of you picking up on uh, specific words and and the really the beauty of specific vocabulary and how powerful that can be. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I I um I've appreciated this very much, and I'm grateful particularly for you being so open about ADHD in your life and working style and and um, learning that you're writing a, a book. I'm sure that will be a gift to to many um, in, in the in the working environment as well. But just being a bit more sensitive to that myself, I, I think, is uh, a really important thing for me. So thank you. That's very timely. Oh. Uh, with relationships I have. So thank you. Oh, good, good. Um, it's great. Uh, well, we wish you the very best success. And um, and as I say, uh, please for reach out to get a copy of Coach Yourself. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch, Antonia, how do they best do that? Yeah, two ways. Uh, LinkedIn, just my name, Antonia Bowring, or on my website, which is... Uh, a bit more complicated, ab-strategies, um, there's a contact form. Great, great. Yeah. Super. Well, wish you all the very best, and um, look. we look forward to looking out for book number two when it launches. Yeah, it might well. take a while. I haven't even started okay. it, really. But okay, <laughs> Simon, thank you Thanks very so much. much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our after-dinner leadership conversation is finished. Our guest has left, and you're still here. Now, of course, you're very welcome. I'm glad that you found the conversation to be engaging. There's a few things that I'd like to ask you to do before you do leave. The first one of those is, if you can stop 
and think about somebody who you think would enjoy this conversation, a friend, a colleague, perhaps an aspiring leader. The second thing is to stop and hit subscribe or follow. And then the third thing is to start doing something. Perhaps there's a little idea or a concept that we've been discussing today that you think you could apply even a little bit tomorrow, tonight, and to put it into action. I encourage you to use this as a catalyst to do something. Do something different. Do something more interesting. Do something more exciting. And thank you so much for joining us. And please tune in again for another After Dinner Leadership Conversation. You can leave now. I need to go and do the dishes.